0: Appreciate that. All right. Let's take our Bibles this morning and uh, let's go. We're going to be in John chapter 14. Uh, Before Missions emphasis month, then in the month of January, uh, we were uh, preaching out of Romans chapter 12 and we're going to get back to that. Uh, But um, I felt like based upon different things going on uh, in our society, in our world, uh, I wanted to kind of uh, help us this morning and uh, help us as Christians to have the right mindset about this crazy world we're living in, and I want to try to be a help and a blessing to you. And because uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you, folks, it's real easy to get caught up in what's going on. And I understand we need to. I'm not saying have your head in the sand. I'm not saying not to be informed. But if we're not careful, man, we can get ourselves in a mess by looking about what's going on in our world and uh, not be what the Lord would have for us to be. And so I want to preach to you on this subject this morning: a cure for a troubled heart. A cure for a troubled heart. I've preached along these lines before. I'm not going to. You're not going to hear anything new, Amen. Uh, but I just want to remind you of some things that will help you as a Christian. So find your place, stand with me, John chapter 14, and a very famous passage of Scripture. Of course, this was Jesus talking to his disciples, and uh, let's read the first six verses. And I pray these are familiar verses to you, Amen. And uh, you talk about a source of help, a source of comfort, a, uh, a a source that we can go to that helps us keep our mind mindset proper as Christians, we find it right here. Here's what he says, beginning in verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Amen? You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go ye you know, and the way ye you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Let's pray. Lord, we sure do love you today. God, I'm thankful. There's a source we can go to, uh, Lord. When we uh, look around us and uh, things are, uh, uh, Lord, uh, all upside down. It seems like, and it seems like uh, all around us we see uh, the, the the world uh, is going nuts. It's going crazy. But Lord, help us as Christians to understand what's going on, have the proper mindset about it, and then in turn, Lord, not to lose uh, the peace and the help and the and the um, the things that we need to be able to help other people. So I pray you'd help us now. Speak to us as we preach this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. A cure for a troubled heart. That word troubled there, when Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. That word troubled, it means to stir it means to agitate. It means to roll as water. If you've ever seen the ocean and the waves coming in and, and coming up against the shore, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. There's just constant movement, constant uh, uh, things in motion. And Jesus here uh, gave a command to His disciples for their heart not to be troubled. Now, if you look around at what's happening in our world, folks, there's a lot of things, if you're not careful, that can trouble you. I mean, uh, what are the things right now in the forefront of our mind? All right? Gas prices, right? I mean, my goodness. If you've been at the gas station this week, that's on the forefront of your mind. Uh, inflation. Uh, we've heard about a lot of that, to have been talking about. All right? Okay, here's the word. I'm going to say it. Russia. Right? Uh, Ukraine. I mean, folks, they're even throwing uh, uh, things out, headlines out, nuclear war. I mean, these are things that are we have never experienced before. Okay, we've never we are in uncharted territories. Uh, I mean, right now, I mean, there is things happening that if you are and aren't careful as a Christian can trouble you. I told the church Thursday night we were driving back from somewhere and I was uh, listening to the news in my truck and and uh, I'll be honest with you, I listened to it for about twenty minutes and I had to shut it off. I mean, it was just and it was it, it, it wasn't it was conservative news per se. I guess right take that with a grain of salt, uh, but it was just what was going on in the world. And it's just like, oh my goodness. I mean, I literally felt my, and I, and I feel like I'm the, I, I'm most of the time on top. And I felt myself starting to slide down a little bit. And I can't imagine people who just constantly feed on that stuff. And folks, again, I'm not saying don't know what's going on, but man, you can't allow that stuff to rob your joy as a Christian. Amen. Not to mention all the other things you deal with. Death of loved ones, hardships relationships, uh, you know, financial things. I mean, come on, folks, there's all kinds of things that can trouble you. Well, Jesus here in the context of this, of course, if you understand the book of John, you understand that most of the book happened toward the end of Jesus's ministry, right before he got ready to uh, go to Calvary. And he's given his disciples here some uh, pieces of advice right before he was getting ready to leave. And of course, by this time, uh, they had uh, they knew uh, what was going to happen. Jesus had told them that, and uh, they still didn't quite get it yet, uh, but they were going to get it, and so Jesus wanted to give them some things that would help them. Let not your heart be troubled. There's another word in the Bible that's uh, related to that word troubled, and that's the word overwhelmed. If you go to the book of Psalms, you find that that word overwhelm used several times in the book of Psalms. For sake of time, I won't read them all to you, but here's one of them. Psalms 55, verse 5. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror hath overwhelmed me. Now listen, that's real, amen? Those are things that we experience in the Christian life. That's things we experience as we're living life here on earth. Fearfulness, trembling, horror. That word overwhelm means to cover, close, shroud. Amen? I'm going to tell you, there's some times in life where those things can come up on you. And what are you going to do as a Christian? What is the cure for that? Amen? I can just tell you this. The cure is not found in a bottle. I can tell you that. Amen? It's not found in in a pharmacy. It's not found in self-help books. Amen? Uh, God gives us the cure for it. And we need to look at what that is from the Scripture. Amen? So I'm going to just give you uh, some simple cures here for a troubled heart. Very simple things, but things as... Christians, we need to be reminded of. Amen? Number one, man, don't miss it. Back to our text, John 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Here it is, you ready? You believe in God, believe also in me. Let me tell you the number one cure for a troubled heart, and that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? And I love that word relationship because that's what it is. Amen. Listen, folks, we're not part of religion here. We're involved in a relationship. And that moment that you got saved, you entered into a relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And folks, listen to me. I know it may just sound like a cliche thing for a preacher to say, but it's not. Jesus is the answer for all the problems, all the heartaches, all the sorrows that any person has ever or will ever face. Jesus is the answer. Amen? Jesus is the answer. There's a song uh, that... Um, I don't know that we've sung it here before. We may have. Sometimes you've heard it uh, maybe sung as a special, but that's the name of the song. Jesus is still the answer. Here's how it goes. Uh, And for your for your sake, I'm not going to sing it. Amen? I'm going to read it like a poem. All right? Some men tried so hard to prove that God's not really real. Why others say they know for sure His love you cannot feel. But I know it's real within my soul. For one day He cleansed and made me whole. And Jesus is still the answer for the law deep in your soul. And here's what the Course says. Jesus is still the answer. And though time and ages roll, Jesus is still the answer. He's the answer for your soul. And though some may say He doesn't fit with their philosophy, I know that Jesus is still the answer. He's always been and always will be. Amen? And let me just say this, folks. There's not one thing anybody faces that Jesus Christ is not the answer to. Amen? The devil knows it, and that's why he does everything he can. to blind people from the truth of Jesus Christ. By the way, this, this relationship begins at salvation. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 1 verse 12, but as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. And this relationship you enter in when you get saved. And I know who I'm preaching to this morning. Amen? And we're going to have our spring program coming up and, and we'll probably have a lot of visitors and I'll be preaching more salvation messages uh, usually during that time. But let me just say this, folks. You know what? Make sure you've been truly born again. Amen? Because that's when that relationship begins. It begins at salvation. But guess what? It continues all through life. Amen? Listen, folks, Jesus didn't save you uh, just to take you to heaven. He saved you so you can walk with Him, so you can talk with Him, so you as a Christian can enjoy a daily relationship with Him. I mean, I preach about that a lot because it's so important. I believe that there is one great secret to being a successful Christian. It's our personal daily relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Folks, I'm going to tell you, you, if if you don't know what it means, here's, here's 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 what we say, walking with God. If you don't know what it means to walk with God, you're missing out. You're missing out. You're missing out on, number one, what uh, God's getting out of the relationship, because literally, we as Christians can bring pleasure to God by spending time with Him and walking with Him, but you're also missing out on what God gives you through that relationship. Because let me just tell you what happens, folks. When you spend time with God, you know what that begins to do? It begins to change you. Amen, it begins to change your your, your your mindset. it begins to change everything about you as a christian and I'm going to tell you something if you don't spend time with God, you're going to have a troubled heart. I'll just tell you that amen, so that relationship continues all through life. so what's the first cure we see out of John chapter fourteen for a cure, uh, uh, for a uh, troubled heart a relationship with Jesus Christ amen and by the way, again, if you're saved here this morning, I don't think there's one of us that couldn't deepen our relationship with Christ. I don't think there's one of us that couldn't... I don't think anybody here can raise their hand and say, I'm too close to Jesus right now. I know I'm not. I want to be closer to Him. Amen? I come in this morning. We've had a busy week getting things going, trying to get that apartment ready for Caleb and Faith when they're coming back. And I mean, we've been we've been burning the candle at both ends and in the middle, keeping up with everything else. And I'll be honest with you folks, I was a little I was a little physically wasted this morning. But you know what I needed to do? You know what helped me? You know what you know what gave it back to me? Is when I fell to my face and began crying out to my father, began spending time with the Lord this morning. And it wasn't long, that spark began to ignite, and now those flames began to burn. Amen. Why? I spent time time in the presence of the master today amen let me tell you something folks you we all need that as christians so number one the relationship with jesus christ how about this number two don't miss this look what it says in verse two in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so i would have told you how about this the reality of heaven amen the reality of heaven man i love talking about heaven i like preaching about heaven i like reading about heaven i love everything about heaven let me tell you what heaven is Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. That's what heaven is. By the way, as much as life on earth is real, heaven is a thousand times more real. Amen? We we experience life right now. We're limited by our five senses, but when we get to heaven, folks, we're not going to have those limitations. It is more real than you could ever imagine. And I don't know about you, but when my heart gets to stirring, when it becomes restless like the waves of the sea, a good way to calm it down is to spend some time thinking about what we're going to be able to experience one of these days. I literally sometimes at night lay in bed thinking about it. I, I, I try to dream about it. I try to imagine what it's going to be. I even sometimes, uh, uh, you know, uh, for sake of trying to get get a picture in my mind, go to Google Images and just Google Heaven and, and, and just trying to see what maybe the best mankind can come up with. And it's nothing even compared to what it's going to be like. Amen? But I love to think about and read about and spend time in the Word of God about Heaven. Here's what the apostle Paul said about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 4, how that he was caught up, talking about that time he was stoned. He was caught up into paradise. By the way, stoned by real rocks. Hey, Amen. That's what I'm talking about. Sometimes people get stoned and think they see things, but you know, this vernacular, that's not what happened to Paul. Hey, Amen. He physically got stoned. All right. How he was caught up into paradise and heard, listen to this, unspeakable words, which is not lawful for man to utter. God allowed Paul that time, literally, he he died and went to heaven. But guess what? God wasn't done with him yet, so he had to come back. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine Lazarus? Okay? Yeah, Mary and Martha missed him, and because of his weeping, and whining and sisters, they got Jesus to raise him from the dead. I bet when Lazarus came out, he had a little bit of an attitude, the fact that he had to come back. Amen? <laughs> Anybody that's ever been there and had to come back, and there's been a few of them here and there that got raised, oh my goodness, they're like, why did you do this to me for? I mean, if you want to talk about a reason to be mad at your sisters, that's it right there, amen? (laughs) Mary Martha, what's wrong with you two, right? But no, I'm telling you folks, Paul, when he was caught up, there was things he saw, literally, he couldn't even utter what they were. No words for it. You go to the book of Revelation, again, for sake of time, we're not going to go there... But John, man, I feel for Brother John as he was trying to describe the things he saw. I mean, literally, he, he got so overwhelmed. He could just try to barely try to describe it. That's why you see the word like and, and as, and he was trying to find earthly descriptions for what was happening in the heavenlies. And folks, I'll be honest with you, there's just some things beyond human comprehension. You know, there's a reason Jesus talked twice, uh, or uh, twice as much about hell as he did heaven when he was here. Amen. I'm gonna tell you why he did that. First of all, we can't even really comprehend what heaven is. But second of all, as Christians right now, I'm not saying we shouldn't think about heaven. We're doing that a little bit this morning. But we better stay focused on the, on the motivation on trying to keep people out of hell. Amen. Because as amazing and wonderful as heaven's gonna be, and horrible hell is gonna be. Amen. But heaven, what, a, what an amazing thing to think about. Folks, when we get there, there's going to be so many amazing things. There's the throne of God, there's the Son of God, the angels of God, the saints of God, the pearly gates, the golden streets, the mansions, the river and tree of life. I mean, again, there, is, there are so many wonderful things about heaven. You know what? Another thing good about heaven is what not what's not going to be there. Guess what? Death isn't going to be there. And there's not one of us, not one family that's not touched by death. Not one family. Sorrow's not going to be there. Crying's not going to be there. Pain is not going to be there. Hey, the sun, the moon, the night, sin, curse, time, all of those things right now that we know as human beings that limit us, that we have to deal with, that we have to suffer through, guess what? Not going to be there. Amen? You talk about having a cure for a troubled heart. Just think about the reality of heaven. So number one, the relationship with Christ. Number two, the reality of heaven. How about this? This kind of goes hand in hand with heaven. Verse three, I love this. And if I go and prepare a place for you, here it is. You ready? I love these words. I will come again and receive you into myself that where I am, there you may be also. Number three, the reassurance of his return. The reassurance of his return. Folks, our world is on a collision course. Amen. Again, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not all uh, freaked out about it because guess what? We've always said, man, want to be awesome to be part of that generation that gets to see Jesus come. I think we're it. But in order for Him to come, the Bible says certain things are going to happen. The world's going to be in a certain case, and we literally are seeing that happen every single day before our eyes. The explosion could come at any moment. Above the hustle and bustle of busy life above the grinding wheels of machinery of war, it seems there's almost a forgotten realization among a lot of people that Jesus Christ is coming. Folks, let me say this. That's a very, very prominent doctrine in the Bible. The Old Testament prophets testified that it would come. The New Testament apostles preached it would come. Jesus Christ Himself promised in this very verse that He would come again. The Bible says in Titus 2, uh, verse 13, that it is our blessed hope. Amen? It's our blessed hope. One out of every 30 verses in the Bible talk about His coming. In the New Testament, it's mentioned 318 times. Amen. The Bible teaches us that Jesus is going to come again. There is life after this one. Jesus said it this way in John 11, verse 25 and 26. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Amen. And I just want to stand up here and echo it. I know I talk about it. Other preachers talk about it. But you know what? World better get ready. Jesus is coming again. Amen. He came the first time. He's about to come the second time. Now, if you understand Bible prophecy, and and I've taught taught this before, I'm not going to get deep into it this morning for sake of time. But you need to understand how it's going to happen. It's going to happen in two phases. First of all, it's going to happen in the rapture for His own. And as Christians, that's the next event we're looking for in God's prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church. And by the way, the Bible teaches it's not a Baptist doctrine, it's not riserology, it's a, it's a Bible doctrine, it's a pre-tribulation rapture. Pre-tribulation. By the way, stay off the internet to get your Bible doctrine. There's so much deceit out there. There's so much uh, a confusion out there. I mean, you Google this and you start reading that, you're going to have a troubled heart. Because you will be confused. Listen, quit going to that stuff. Get to the Word of God. See what the Bible has to say about it. Amen. All right, the Bible is very clear. When you compare all the scriptures and you study it the way the Bible tells you to study it, the Bible very clear. Pre-tribulation rapture, not mid-trib, not post-trib. Pre-tribulation rapture. Here's some verses the Bible says in verse First uh, uh, Thessalonians. I think I just read these a few weeks ago on a Thursday night, but I'm going to read them again. Amen. Because I like him and we need to hear him. First Thessalonians chapter four. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain into the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the shout with the voice of the archangel with the trump of God the dead in Christ shall rise first then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord amen that's called the rapture and it can happen at any moment at any time nothing has to happen first before the rapture to happen it could happen today amen it could happen before I get done preaching, amen? It can happen at any moment, and that's why as Christians, we need to be ready for it. The Bible says it's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. That word twinkling, by the way, here's what we think of when we think of twinkling. This right here, a blink, okay? Twinkling is faster than a blink. So, uh, so, uh, science is people smarter than me, scientists have study that out, they say the twinkling of an eye is about the, uh, the, the, the amount of time it takes for the, the human eye to see light, Light travels at about 186,000 miles per second. All all that to say this, if this is quick, could you imagine how fast the twinkling is? Amen? It's even fast. That's how quick it's going to happen. So the Bible teaches us that the coming of Christ will come first of all in the rapture for His own. And that's why as Christians we need to be ready for it. But second of all, at the end of the seven-year tribulation, Jesus Christ is going to come uh, after the tribulation with His own. Amen? Truth be told, the rapture is not the second coming. Okay? It's the first phase of it. But the Bible teaches us that during the rapture, Jesus isn't coming all the way back to the earth. He's just coming to the clouds. That's why we're going up to meet Him. Amen? Right? He's actually going to return at the end of the seven-year tribulation and His feet literally will touch down on planet Earth, get this, from the same spot they were here before He went back up, the Mount of Olives. And it's going to be such a powerful touchdown, if you will, that when Jesus cries on His, on his, white, and his big white horse comes, leading the armies of heaven, which is us, by the way, amen, Revelation chapter 19, when he sets foot on the Mount of Olives, that mountain's going to split in two. Amen? Because the King of Kings is here. That's why. Amen? And he's going to come at the end of the tribulation with his own, and he at, and he's going to come and set up his earthly kingdom. Amen? Remember the Bible talks a lot about him being the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. All right? where's What's he going to reign? What's he going to rule over? He's going to rule literally physically on this earth for 1,000 years. Amen? And we're, by the way, as Christians, if we've been faithful on this earth, we're gonna rule and reign with them. Amen. You want some good motivation uh uh to, to live the Christian life God wants you to live? Think about that thousand year millennial reign. Think about the fact that your position, your level of authority in the millennium is based upon your obedience right now on earth as a Christian. And I ain't got time to get into it. That, 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 that's a whole message in and of itself. But all that to say, if you got a troubled heart, guess what? There's reassurance of the fact that Jesus Christ will come again. Amen. He came the first time. He's coming again the second time. The church of Jesus Christ better get ready for it. Amen. So number one, the relationship with Jesus Christ. Number two, the reality of heaven. Number three, the reassurance of his turn, his return. How about this number four? Look at verse, look at verse four in John chapter 14. Notice what Jesus says. And whither I go. Now, notice these next two, these, these words mentioned here. Ye know. And the way ye know. Amen. Twice in that verse, the word know is used. And here's the fourth reason that you cannot have a troubled heart. How about this? There's a reasoning to comprehend. A reasoning to comprehend. Now, even though this was kind of all new to his disciples, What Jesus was trying to get them to learn and understand was not beyond their comprehension. Amen? Not beyond their comprehension. Today, too many people overcomplicate, overthink, and try to outsmart God about our relationship with Him. They try to make it seem like it's so hard to believe and comprehend that Jesus truly existed. And that he truly did come to this earth two thousand years ago that he died a sacrificial death on the cross and he raised from the dead three days later they make that so hard to understand and comprehend, but yet most every most most kid if you ask him believes in Santa Claus, the tooth fairy and superheroes I mean there, there are some people that literally think spider man 's real i'm serious. How about this okay Erasmussen report. National Telephone Online Survey found that 61% of people they surveyed, listen to this, believe in intelligent life on other planets. 31% find it very likely. That's the highest level of belief measured to date. So here's what that tells us. It's unreasonable and irrelevant to believe the Bible which has never been contradicted by science, history, archaeology, or any other forms of learning, yet it's very reasonable and rational to believe that life exists on other planets where not one shred of evidence has ever been shown to prove that. What is wrong with the human race? It's reasonable to believe. I'm going to tell you something, folks. Listen to me. It's reasonable. Did you hear what I said? Reasonable to believe that life had to start somewhere. That's Reasonable. Everything has an origin. Amen? Everything has a beginning. The only thing that doesn't have a beginning is God Himself. Amen? Everything had to start from somewhere. It's reasonable to believe that there was intelligent design behind the creation of the universe and everything in it. That's reasonable. Okay? It's reasonable. It's reasonable to believe that man was put on this planet for a reason. It's reasonable to believe that our lives have purpose. It's reasonable to believe that life on this earth can't be all there is. It's reasonable to believe there is a loving God who sent His Son to redeem us from our sin. You know what I'm talking about, folks? I'm talking about a reasoning to comprehend. Amen? And Jesus said, you can know these things. And you know what? I feel sorry for those who don't have a knowledge and a know-so when it comes to their walk with God, their relationship with God. There is a peace that comes to our troubled hearts when we simply, by faith, take God at His Word and believe what He says. Why do you think God says without faith it's impossible to please Him? How about Thomas, right? Thomas, by the way, really was a good man. Thomas went on to uh, uh, be a tremendous disciple. He was responsible for getting the gospel to, I believe, the country of India uh, after uh, they, they begin to uh, spread out and preach the gospel to all nations. But Thomas gets a bad rap. You know why? For one instance in his life. What do we call, when we say Thomas, what word do we always think of before we think of Thomas? Doubt, right? John chapter 20. Then saith he to Thomas, reach into thy finger, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands, reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless, but believing. Remember what Thomas said? Well, unless I put my finger in the print of his hand and put my hand, I will not believe. And later on, Jesus came back and upbraided him for his unbelief. Amen. Listen to me, folks. It is reasonable to believe that God is who He says He is, that the Bible is true, that everything God says is going to happen will happen. Amen? That's reasonable. And when you put your faith and trust in that, guess what comes along with that? Peace. Amen? Contentment. All right. There comes a reassurance of things that will help you with a troubled heart. So number one, relationship with Jesus Christ. Number two, reality of heaven. Number three, reassurance of His return. Number four, a reasoning to comprehend And then look with me in verse 6, if you will. Jesus saith unto him, John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am, notice here, the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Here's the last thing we see that helps with the troubled heart. The requirement of the way. The requirement of the way. You see, we've kind of, kind of come full circle with this. Uh, we, we're we going to end at the same place we started at, and that's with Jesus. Amen? Notice what he said in this verse, by the way. And I, I like pointing this out. I like being very emphatic about this. Jesus didn't say he was a way or a truth or a life. That's not what he said. Amen? All right? No, he, he's not one of those, maybe if you roll the dice and hope you pick the right one kind of way. That's not who he is. No, what? No, 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 not at all. What's he say in this verse? Very emphatically, he says this: "I am the way, the truth, the life." You know what that means? Singular, yep. as in there's only one. Well, that just doesn't really fit into the political correct uh, ideology of the day. Well, whoopee doo. Amen. Big deal. I hope I never fit into the political ideology of the day. Amen. Let me tell you something, folks. A lie of Satan, a lie of Satan, sending millions and billions of people uh, to the lake of fire. It doesn't really matter what you believe, as long as you believe in something. Oh, it matters what you believe. All right, Amen. If you want to, as Jesus said, get to the Father, you better make sure you better believe, you're believing in the way, the truth, and the life, the requirement of the way. Not to say this, there's there's a cure troubled heart, and knowing that all of our hope, all of our trust, all of our everything is placed squarely upon the shoulders of the very Son of God Himself. You know what that does for us as Christians? It takes the pressure off. It takes the pressure off. I mean, think about it. If I if, if I had to do a certain amount of works to get and keep my salvation, who's to say how many I'd have to do? Who's to say how good I'd have to be? I mean, who's to say if my good works are going to outweigh my bad works? Who's going to say that, the, that, that by the time I die that the scales tipped in, in, in the right direction? Who's to say that? Amen? Listen, folks, knowing that the work of salvation is solely based upon Him and Him alone, guess what that means, folks? That means I can have peace and and comfort and help in my life. Amen? That's why the Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Listen to this verse. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen to me, folks. God makes it very clear. He's not hiding it from us that we can know that we have eternal life. Amen? ask a lot of people if they know for sure that they're going to heaven. And here's what so many people reply with. Well, I hope so. Or, you know what, I don't think anyone can really know for sure. Listen to me, folks. Salvation is too important. Eternity is too long. God is too perfect for it to be left to any hoping or not even knowing for sure that heaven is your home. Amen? Listen, it's not left up to that. Jesus said in first John chapter 5 verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. That word know is used in the book of first John in the context of knowing that you're saved twenty-seven times. Twenty-seven times. God mentions over and over and over again that you can know for sure that you have eternity settled. Amen? So here's how it's simplified in John chapter 3, verse 36. I love it. Again, folks, God does not make this complicated. Here's what He says. You ready? Very simply, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. There you go. That's what it says. And He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on. On him, I've been accused before of people who, again, got on the internet, amen. Started reading a bunch of lies. Well, you, 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 independent Baptist, you just believe. Here's what they say: easy believeism. Uh, well, um, you know, uh, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. What Jesus say? He said, "Unless you have the faith of a little child, you shall not see the kingdom of heaven." <clears throat> Now folks, listen, I'm all about, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not about, I'm not about trying to get someone just to say a prayer. I'm not about that. I'm not about just trying to get out and repeat out one, two, three, repeat after me and you're going to heaven. I'm not about that at all. Amen. I think that's wrong because that gives people a false sense of security. But let me just say this, folks. How easier can you get than that? He that what? Believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life. Amen? Listen, that's the requirement of the way. Here's a very simple way to do uh, to, to ask somebody. Alright? If you're interested in trying to witness to somebody and get them to get nailed down on it. Okay? I, I love asking either one of two questions. Alright? I'll ask this question. If you died right now, are you 100% sure that you'd go to heaven? Okay? That, that's, that's a pretty get-to-the-point answer. Or how about this question, All right, And it technically isn't the way it's going to happen, but but it gets people to think. Here's what I say. If you were to stand before God right now, and He said, Why should I let you into heaven? What would your answer be? You're not going to get more specific than that. Well, I, I go to church. You know what that means? Not born again. I'm a good person. You know what that means? Not born again. My parents go to church. Not born again, amen? Very specific, right? Because, folks, listen to me. When it comes down to it, there's only one requirement of the way, and that is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. So do you have a troubled heart this morning? as the events of the world, the events of this week, as we, as we, as we drive down uh, Broadway here and see gas prices keep climbing and climbing, does that trouble you a little bit? Or is your heart stirred? Is your heart troubled? Well, you know what you can do to fix that? Relationship with Jesus Christ. Think about the reality of heaven. Have the reassurance of His return. Knowing the reasoning to comprehend and making sure that you are believing on the requirement of the way. Now, folks, listen, I'm a realist, okay? I'm I'm not not just pie in the sky. Oh, let's just walk around with this Pollyannish view of life, rose-colored glasses, everything's going to be... No, listen, I get that. By the way, I'm not saying we may not have to face some hard times. We may have to. We may have to make some hard choices uh, between some things. But you know what? Even if that does happen, you know what we have as Christians? We have the promises that God is going to be here and help us and watch out for us, amen? I mean, He promised that the, the righteous would never suffer hunger. He promised that. Now, we may have to sell some few things to buy food, but who cares? In the scope of this thing, what's more important anyway, amen? The little toys we have, or living a life that brings honor and glory to God and investing in things that's going to matter for eternal value. I mean, you preacher, you mean, you mean with the economy the way it is? You want us to give more? Well, you know, listen to me, folks. I don't want you to do anything God doesn't want you to do. But you know what I I do want you to do? I want you to uh, make sure that you're following the lead of the Holy Spirit, and I do want you to be invested in things of eternal value. Because I'll just tell you this, a hundred years from now, I say it all the time, a hundred years from now, what do you think is going to matter? Amen? Let me tell you, we're all about laying up for the future. Well, why are we not about laying up for the true future, the real future, and that's the future we're going to be when we're in eternity. Amen? So come on, folks, let's not let this troubled heart thing get us down. By the way, you know why you need to not have a troubled heart? Because everyone around you has one. Everybody in your workplace, this is all in their mind. By the way, think about this. What an amazing witnessing opportunity. Everywhere you go, it's on people's minds. Everywhere you go. And by the way, very simply, when when the conversation comes up and people want to start talking about the economy, gas prices, Russia, Ukraine, you know, all this other stuff, you know what you can do? You can pull out a gospel track and say, you know what, through the midst of all this craziness, there's an answer that you can have peace and contentment and joy in your life and hand them a gospel. I'm going to tell you, folks, and I get it, not everybody, but the majority of people are looking and seeking for something that's real right now. Maybe God's stirring the pot to get people's hearts turned toward Him because He knows that trumpet's about ready to sound. Amen? So as Christians, let's start viewing this thing from God's viewpoint, not from a selfish viewpoint. Amen? And let's make sure we don't have a troubled heart so we can help other people with their troubled hearts. Let's pray. Lord, we love you this morning. Thank You for the Bible. Thank You for the Word of God. I pray that we would take these truths. Help us, Lord, please. Lord, we're all human beings. We all deal with the feelings of life. But God, we have You living inside of us. We have Your Word. We have the promises of Your Word. And Lord, there is no reason that we're not living on the victory side. And I pray that You'd help us as Your people, Lord, uh, to uh, get this thing settled in our life and our heart so we in turn then can go out and help other people. Bless us, we pray. Bless our invitation now in Jesus' name.